All right, so today is the day of atonement, a day of affliction, whereby we're to afflict our souls with fasting. Um, it was generally a, a time of mourning, even though it was also a happy time, you know, and um, so we're going to see kind of, you know, what this is all about, you know, um, today, especially in respect to in respect to oh goodness oh wasn't better when you plug it in huh mm. <laughs> yeah until I haven't eaten right yeah. <laughs> all right in respect to the bride of Yeshua you know Everybody who come into this, they want to become the bride of Yahshua, but not very many people are making themselves ready for his return. You know, and so that's like that's that's like huge, right? Mm. You know, um, you know, because if you're not ready, then you're not going with him. You know, and that's what the uh, the parable of the ten virgins is all about. Right. You know. Yeah. Five were ready, five weren't, right? Yes. Which lot will you fall? You know, so I decided to present this thing because it's believed that Yahshua will come back for his bride on the day of atonement. Hmm. You know, and so I think that uh that makes it the perfect subject for today. Hmm. So we're gonna take a look at this marriage perspective, you know. Um, I start off uh, by having my first reader read Yami Yahu, that is Jeremiah chapter 33, 7 through 11. And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return, and I will build them as at the first. To return meant to lift off, actually, in King James Day. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. And it shall be to me a name of joy, of praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. Thus saith Yahuwah, again, there shall be heard in this place, which he shall say shall be desolate without man and without beast, even in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate, without man and without inhabitant and without beast, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, praise Yahuwah of hosts, for Yahuwah is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of Yahuwah. For I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first, saith Yahuwah. Hallelujah. All right, so one of the first thing I want to point out is that, you know, even though Yah scattered Israel to the four corners of the earth, he does have a plan on regathering. Yeah. 
you know, and so this is what is what's being spoken of here. And he, he said in verse seven, I will cause the captivity of Yahweh and the captivity of Israel to return. But, you know, what I want to point out is he says he will build them as at the first, hmm. you know, and so like that's really, 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 really crucial because that speaks to him doing nothing different. You know, um, he may he may do some things in addition to, but he's not doing anything different than he did at the first time. Hmm. You know, so if he's gonna build them as at the first, then we can rest assured that what they were doing, first off, will be the same thing that they'll be doing, you know, when he returns. Because that's the way he's going to build them. You know, and he even repeats it in verse 11, you know, um, he says, I will cause the return of the captivity of the land as at the first, say of Yahuwah. You know, the second thing I want to point out is that he says, it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and honor before all the nations of the earth, you know, speaking about um, Israel, you know, and he says in verse 11, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, you know, now. They're saying, praise Yahuwah Zaroh, or Yahuwah of hosts, for Yahuwah is good, his mercy endure forever. And it says, and of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of Yahuwah. Hello, house of David. Mm -hmm. You know, but what I want to point out is the voice of joy, the voice of gladness in the brick kind of shower, the New Testament scriptures is somewhat a strange thing. You know, because our Messiah, Yahshua, he teaches us, he says, rejoice, rejoice, be exceedingly glad when you're persecuted for my name's sake or persecuted for righteousness' sake. So with Yahshua, what makes us glad is persecution. What causes us to rejoice is persecution. You know, now it's important that you understand that because if you don't, then you're going to miss it. And when it comes about, you know, you're going to think that, you know, something's wrong, you know, because all y'all's people are getting persecuted and they're getting destroyed. And so you're going to, you're going to forsake the straight way, the straight gate and the narrow way that lead it unto life. And you're going to follow the broad way, go through the wide gate and the broad way that lead it unto destruction. You know, but if you know ahead of time what it's supposed to look like, you know, then, you know, you have more of a chance of standing strong. Amen? Amen. So that's why I want to point this out, because a lot of people don't understand this. You know, next, um, I want to ask, what do you think the text means by saying that he's going to, uh, oh, I, already, I already spoke to that. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Moving right along. Let me have my next reader read. Joe. You know, Yoel chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Therefore, also now saith Yahuwah, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto Yahuwah your Elohim, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him? even a meat offering and a drink offering unto Yahuwah, your Elohim. 
Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth from his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests and the ministers of Yahuwah weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, Spare thy people, O Yahuwah, and give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their Elohim? Then will Yahuwah be jealous for his land and pity his people. Hallelujah. Okay, so Yoel 2 is speaking about the very same thing that we read about in Yermiah 33, speaking about the uh, the gathering of, of, of his people, you know. Now we see that it actually has the uh, marriage theme within it, you know. And in verse twelve it says, "Therefore also now say of Yahuwah, turn ye even to me." You know, remember he says, "Turn them back, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and weeping and with mourning." Now recall what I just said about you know, joy and gladness, you know, with those of us who are in Yahshua. Joy and gladness for us looks like persecution, you know, but as the apostles, when they were beat, you know, for um, for, for uh, preaching in Yahshua's name, you know, even as they left celebrating because they, they found themselves worthy of suffering for his name's sake, so shall we. You know, it's going to look real strange to to the uh, average person, like man, they you know they they get persecuted and yet they celebrate. What? What? What kind of stuff is this? You know, yeah, it's gonna look very strange to them. You know, um, but this is why, you know, he says, "Come with fasting and weeping with mourning. Rend your heart. Turn unto Yahuwah your Elohim. Who knoweth if he will repent it, uh, return and repent and leave a blessing behind? You know, and then he says." Verse 15, blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. You know, and that, of course, speaks to today, the Day of Atonement, which is a sanctified fast and is a solemn assembly. You know, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth out of his chamber. Hello, Yahshua on his way back. And the bride out of her closet. Those of us who help make up this group. You know, now take note, because in relation to what I was saying, you know, um, in Yahoo 33, you know, about what our gladness is and our joy, you know, take note. And he says in verse 17, let the priests, the ministers of Yahuwah weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare thy people, O Yahuwah. You know, give not thine heritage to reproach. That's because the righteous will be being persecuted. Revelation said, says that during this time, said it'll be a blessing to die. Mm -hmm. Don't you know that scripture even teaches that there will come a time when people yes. want to die and can't? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, you know, this will be the time when it'll be a blessing to actually die. You know, these are the people who are going to stand up against the beast, against his number, against his seal, against his mark. Amen? Yeah. You know, and, you know, that's what's going to cause Yahuwah to be jealous for his land and pity his people. 
because they're going to be getting slaughtered for no other reason outside of serving him. That's enough to stir them up. Yes. All right, then we have Luke 1, 13 through 17. It says, but the angel said unto him, fear not, Zach Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name Yochanan, or John. And this is, of course, John the Baptist's father. It goes on to say, and thou shalt have joy and gladness. There you go again, right? We know what happened to him in the end. Yeah. You know, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Adonai, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with Ruach Kadesh, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Adonai, their Elohim, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. See, there, there he is, turning them again. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready a people prepared for the Adonai. You know, now the question becomes, just how did Yochanan the Immerser, or John the Baptist, if you would, turn the hearts of the people and cause them to be prepared for the Adonai? Because the same way he did it, it's the same way it's going to have to be done again. And it's found, the answer is found in Luke 3, 2 and 3. It says, Ananias and Caiaphas, being the high priest, the word of Elohim came unto Yochanan, the son of Zacharias, in the uh, wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance, or the remission of sins. Mm -hmm. And so this will once again be preached. You know, it's, it's, it's sad to say that most people don't even know what the gospel is today. If you ask the average person what Yahshua was, was um, preaching when he came to the earth, most people cannot tell you. And that includes bishops, pastors, evangelists, teachers, hmm. prophets, you know, and apostles. Yes. You know, the average one cannot tell you what Yahshua was preaching. Hmm. You know, it's so important that you understand, that you know and understand that Yahshua was not going around saying, hey, come follow me because I'm about to die for your sins. Mm -hmm. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, repent, for the kingdom of Elohim is at hand. And the reason that's so important, because before you can do anything, before you can go anywhere, before you can even... Get through the gate. You have to repent. You know, and if you're going to repent, then that means you're going to go back to what you're supposed to be doing. And what you're supposed to be doing is by the commandments of the Most High. You know, so, you know, but it all begins with repentance. You know, and so that's the way it began. That's the way it will begin again. You know, um, when Yah began to do this work about gathering his bride. Yochanan 3, 27 through 30. My next reader, please. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Messiah, but that I am sent before him. He that has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoice greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. 
this my joy therefore is fulfilled he must increase but i must decrease <laughs> hallelujah okay so this yokanah many people thought yokanah was the messiah you know so he's clearly he's making it making it um making it clear making it known i am not the messiah but that i am sent before him right. you know he says he that have the bride is the bridegroom and it's important to note that you know yahshua's bride was baptizing as well you know yahshua's bride was baptizing in the name of yahshua whereas yoganon and his disciples were baptizing in in um in repentance you know and so what's the difference you know you need the repentance but then you also need to be baptized in the name of yahshua yeah. because the name entails the character authority and reputation and so it doesn't matter just because you phonetically say, you know, I, you know, you're baptized in the name of such and such. It don't matter what the name is. What matters is if you're if you're really immersed in that character, authority, and reputation. You know, and those of us who are truly, truly baptized in the name of Yahshua, we are immersed into his character, his authority, and his reputation. Amen. Amen. Now, the ecclesia was the bride then, as well as now. And as they made themselves ready, we must also make ourselves ready. You know, we will not be going with Yahshua when he come back if we're not ready. You know, um, and scripture, it speaks about, you know, the bride making herself ready. Let me, let me have my next reader read Revelation 19, 5 through 9, please. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our Elohim, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah for the Adonai Elohim omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he hath, and he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of Elohim. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. You know, so we see that it says, um, in verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice. We know what that means, right? Yeah. You know, that speaks to what? Persecution. Persecution, absolutely. You know, these are, you know, these are they who were persecuted, you know, and, you know, uh, Revelation 7 tells us that they were without number and that they were given white robes, you know, and that, you know, they made their robes white and, you know, in, in the uh, blood of the Lamb by going through the tribulation, you know. And so these are those who were persecuted, you know, for his name's sake and for righteousness' sake. Those are the ones that are glad and rejoicing, you know, and give honor to him. Now he says, be glad and rejoice, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the wife and his wife have made herself ready, you know. And it was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, and clean and white, 
for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. So if you want your wedding garment, you're going to have to be righteous. Amen? You know, and so righteousness plays a huge part. And, and, and you know, and no, you're not made, just made righteous automatically. You, you become righteous by doing righteously. You know, there's no one that that's going to be righteous just because they were born or just because they said a few words, you know, and, you know, confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart, you know, that Yahshua is the Adonai. It says that even the demons believe that in trouble. You know, it's those who are going to be doing what he said, following his commandments, words, and sayings that are going to be the ones that's going to be righteous. You know, so... Now, I want you to know, um, when we're talking about the marriage thing, and we're talking about the bride and the Messiah, I want you to know, like, in biblical times, they had arranged marriages. Right. You know, so it was a little, it was a little um, different than how we do things now today. <laughs> you know, they had arranged marriages. In Israel's early history, most marriages were prearranged. As is our marriage with Yahushua. Mm -hmm. Our marriage with Yahushua is prearranged. Yeah. You ever met him? I never saw him. <laughs> you know, but you know, I'm looking forward to being married with him. All the same. Yeah. You know, so you know, this is historically, this is how things were doing. We're, we're done. You know, and you know, our marriage with Yahushua is an arranged marriage. You know, generally speaking, um, the father of the bridegroom would seek out a bride for his son. And we see an example of this in Genesis 24, 2 through 4. It says, And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by Yahuwah, the Elohim of heaven and the Elohim of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son or the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Esau. Okay? So can you see he was arranging a marriage for, mm -hmm. uh, for, for, for Isaac or Esau? Right. You know, upon finding a suitable spouse, the father or his ambassador would then negotiate the purchase price of the bride, which was called a mohar. Mm -hmm. The word mohar is number 4119 in the Strong's, and it speaks to the purchase price for a wife. Mm -hmm. And I know that may sound ugly in today's time, you know, but yes, you know, men brought their wives from their wives' fathers. They purchased them. That's the way things were done. You know, you got a problem with that, you take it up with Yahweh, you see. You know, but that's how they done, done things. You know, and so the mohar was the purchase price. And our mohar the cost of, um, of, um, of purchasing us was death. Mm. You know, this is why we read in Romans 5, 8, but Elohim commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Mashiach died for us. And first key was a first Peter 2, 20 and 21. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if when ye do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with Elohim. You know, yeah, 
anybody can, you know, can wait it out when you know you've done something wrong. Mm. But when you know you're totally innocent, when you know you're totally innocent, you've done absolutely nothing wrong, and you still suffer for it, and you take it patiently, that's what is, what is acceptable with Elohim. You know, verse 21 goes on to say, for even here too were ye called. We're called to do such a thing. Because Mashiach also suffered for us, leaving us an example, and we should follow his steps. You know, we know he suffered innocently until the death. Amen? We're to do likewise. This is why he says, pick up your torture stake and follow me. Well, when he picked up his torture stake, he wasn't going to have a party. You know, he was going to be tortured to death. Selah. Now, after a mohar or the purchase price was agreed upon, then came the betrothal. The betrothal in which there was usually a ceremony at the bride's parents' house, whereas the bride and the green bride and the groom agreed upon a ketubah, i.e., a marriage covenant or contract that both parties vowed to keep. In addition to the mohar, a matan, which is number forty-nine seventy-six in the Strong's, uh, which speaks to a present. So in addition, a matan, a present, was also oftentimes given to the bride. It was usually an item of value. And we see an example, an example of this in Genesis 34 with Hamor trying to, uh, trying to marry uh, uh, Diana, or Dinah, uh, Yaakov's daughter, after his son had took advantage of him, raped her. You know, um, so let me have my next reader read Genesis 34, 8 through 12, please. And Hamor communed with him, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longest for your daughter. I pray you give her him to wife, and make ye marriages with us, and give your daughters unto us, and take our daughters unto you, and ye shall dwell with us, and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade ye therein, and get your possessions therein. And Shechem said unto her father and unto her brethren, Let me find grace in your eyes, and what ye shall say unto me, I will give. Ask me never so much dowry and gift, and I will give according to ye shall say unto me. Give me the damsel to a wife. All right. You know, so, so here it is. We see that, you know, he very much wanted to marry, and he was talking about, you know, giving a dowry you know, um, or the mohar, you know, and the matan, or the gift, you know, and said, you can name it, whatever you name, I, you know, I'll pay it. So it's important to note that ancient marriages weren't just an agreement between two individuals as we see today, but rather it was a binding between two families. And, you know, as we see being implied above, and, and this is this is something that survives today, but just barely, you know, um, you know, People get get married and they don't. The two families don't really bind like they once did, you know. So I want you to think about that. All right. Now it's important to know that the mohar wasn't even always money. You know, yes, it definitely was oftentimes money, but it wasn't always money. It could have, it could have been whatever two parties chose to agree upon, such as the hundred foreskins of the Philistines demanding of um, David or the seven years of servitude 
as we see with uh, Yaakov. You know, let me have my uh, next reader read First Samuel 18, 25, and Genesis 29, 18, that speak to these things. First Samuel 18, 25, and Saul said, Thus shall ye say to David, the king desireth not any dowry, but in hundred foreskins of the Philistines to be avenged of the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. Genesis 29:18, and Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy daughter, thy younger daughter. Hallelujah. So um, it was customary for a good father to give a large portion of the Mohara dowry to the daughter. And not to do uh, not to do so was considered cruel and mean. And this is what's being um, uh, hinted at. You know, in Genesis 31, 14, and 15 with Rachel and Leah, it says, And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? We are counted of him strangers. He has sold us and have quite devoured also our money. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, yeah, he he didn't he didn't do right by him. So uh we're gonna talk a little bit about price. You know, and what an EMD is, an earnest money deposit, you know, because this was something that was also included with the marriage contract. As aforementioned, our mohar or purchase price was death, and that we're sinners. The price of sin is death. Hence, Yahushua died for us um, out of out of his great love for us. We, we read this in Romans 6.23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. You know, but the gift of Elohim is eternal life through Yahushua Mashiach or Adonai. So we see the wages of sin is death, and Yahshua paid that that uh, that wage. He paid that price. You know, and we we see this in Yochanan 15, 13, and 14. It says, Greater love have no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Now, question. What if you don't do whatsoever he commands you? Are you still his friends? No. Absolutely not. And not only are you not his friends, he didn't lay down his life for you. Say right. <laughs> lie. And our matan, that is our earnest of um our earnest uh money deposit or our down payment, if you will, is other ruach within our hearts. You know, we see evidence of this in scripture. Second Corinthians 1 22, it says, Who have also sealed us and given the earnest of the Ruach in our hearts? And Second Corinthians 5 5. Now he that wrought us for the self-same thing is Elohim, who have given us the earnest of the Ruach. Wow. Also, um, a third witness in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, it says, In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that ye believed were sealed with that holy ruach of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession see we're the bride that has been purchased by his death unto the praise and of unto the praise and of his glory now what is this word earnest we keep running into is our haban number 728 and it speaks to a pledge, a down payment that is part of the purchase money given in advance as security for the rest. Mm-hmm. You know, so 
Yah not only purchased us, he gave a down payment, you know, as well, you know, to assure that, hey, I'm coming back to my bride. You know, so then we have betrothal. We have betrothal. And so, like, it's, a, it's, it's quite a bit different than what we have now today. So you, need, you want to understand this. Ancient marriages had two ceremonies with an interval um, between. The first ceremony was the betrothal. Mm. You know, uh, we see an example of this in Judges 14.5, which says, Then went Samson down and his father and, and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. And the Ruach of Yahuwah came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. So he went down there to be betrothed unto her. Please note that the betrothal, now in ancient um, times, you know, betrothal was binding. So the betrothal is the same that, you know, we might call our engagement. Amen. You know, and so this is when one would be engaged, so to speak. You know, but during biblical times, during the time of our Messiah, Yahshua, the betrothal was binding. And Yah's eyes, and in Yah's eyes, the couple was actually considered married. And we see evidence of this in Deuteronomy 22, 23, and 24. It says, if a damsel that is a virgin be betrothed unto an husband, and a man find her in the city and lie with her, then ye shall bring them both out into the gate of that city, and ye shall stone them with stones <laughs> that they die. The damsel, the damsel, because she cried, cried not, being in the city, and the man, because he hath humbled his neighbor's wife. So thou shalt put away evil from among you. Now, no, take note that he calls her his neighbor's wife, not just in his engagee or what have you. You know, refers to him as his wife. Once you've been betrothed, you know, it's binding. And that's because you, you've you actually already done, signed the contract pretty much, you know, and you accepted, you know, consideration for the contract. So even in today's time, that is still binding, you know? Uh, so now it, it was also during the betrothal that the customary contracts were signed, thereby um, making it binding. Now, yeah, I just said it. So, terms and conditions. Hmm. See, because these contracts, these covenants or contracts, you know, marriage covenants or contracts had terms and conditions. You know, so it wasn't just like, you know, you, you always read in the scripture about covenants, old covenant, new covenant, and covenant, 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 but no one ever speaks about, you know, these covenants having, the, having these terms and conditions. But they all, even as any covenant, even as even any covenant or contract today, have terms and conditions. Amen? Amen. You know, so customary marriage contracts or covenants were called shenuken or tenayin, which speaks to conditions, you know, for uh, the marriage. It contained date, the date, time, dowry, etc., as well as a penalty that applied to either party in case either party backed out later. There was also the Ketubah, which outlined the rights and responsibilities of the brother. Now, physical Israel of old is a type of Leah. You know, uh, Leah means weary eye. And that's even because they had a lack of understanding. 
Mm. Amen. And she received her shidduchin or tenayim at Mount Sinai, which amounts to the whole of the Tanakh, i.e. the brick Zarkane, or Old Covenant writings. So that's what uh, Leah speaks to. But those of us that are spiritual Israel, that is born again Israel, are a type of Rachel, a you that is uh, a lamb, you know, and received our ketubah and Shudokin or Tenayim during Yahshua's Sermon on the Mount, which includes the bulk of Yahshua's commandments, words, and sayings, in addition to the Pre-Zarkad or the Old Testament scriptures. Hence, we read in Matthew Yahoo 5, 17 through 19, think not that I have come to destroy the law of the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You know, so we see Yahshua did not come to do away with them. He came to add to them, you know. That said, we actually accept the terms and conditions of Yahushua's contract or covenant when we enter into contract or covenant with him. That, that seems really simple, right? You know, yes. When we enter into covenant with him, we're also agreeing to the terms and conditions of the covenant. Yep. Just makes sense, right? Yep. Let me have my next reader read Matthew Yahoo 26, 26 through 29. And as they were eating, Yahushua took bread, and blessed it, and brake it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine, until that, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Hallelujah. You know, so Israel owes Ketubah is outlined here, you know, in Exodus 19, um, 19, 5. So this was, uh, this was, you know, Yahshua's covenant, you know, and when you partook of that, you signed up for the terms and conditions, you know, which is all Yahshua's commandments, words, and sayings, as well as all of the um, the Old Testament scriptures as well. Now, Israel's old ketubah is outlined in Exodus 19, 5 through 8. It says, Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moshe came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which Yahuwah commanded them. And all the people answered together and said, All that Yahuwah has spoken, we will do. And Moshe returned the words of the people unto Yahuwah. So you see, you see that, you know, Moses told them all the words and they agreed to. They said, I do. Just like when, when you get married, right? Mm -hmm. Only thing they didn't. Well, that often happens when you get married too. You know, 
but you know, yeah. So that's what that's what happened. Now, spiritual Israel's ketubah is no different. Hence, we read in First Kedron two nine and ten says, "But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who have called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which a time past were not a people, but now are the people of Elohim, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy." So you know, uh, and that's because. You know, those in uh, spiritual Israel includes the Gentiles, you know, and they were truly a people who, who in times past were not a people of Elohim, mm. but now they're the people of Elohim. Mm. They had not obtained mercy, but now they obtained mercy. You know, so as aforementioned, this contract of covenant is what causes our betrothal to become binding. And from this point forward, you're responsible for the terms and conditions of the contract of covenant. Hence, we read of the penalty for not doing so. There's a penalty for those of us who don't adhere to the terms and conditions of the contract in which they signed up for. But nobody showed them the fine print. <laughs> Let me have our next reader read 1 Corinthians 11, 26-20. For as often, often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do shed shoe the Adonai's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Adonai unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Adonai. But let a man ex examine himself and, let, so let, and so let him eat of their bread and drink of, their, of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthy, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning that on his body. For this cause, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Hmm. What? Uh, no? That's, that's good. Thank you. So here it is. We see like there's a price to pay, right? You know, if you're guilty of the body and blood of the Adonai, that is, if you're guilty of breaking his covenant, you know, uh, then it brings about sickness and disease and death. You know, so this is serious. This is not something that you want to haphazardly enter into, right? You know, so, you know, this is why I always, you know, bring this up and try to encourage people like, look, if you're not ready, don't do it. Yeah. You know, don't, 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 you know, monkey see, monkey do leads nowhere but in the zoo. You know, you don't have to do what the next person doing. Make certain yeah. you're ready. Right. Amen. Amen. You know, First Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, you know, tells us why you should make sure you're ready. It says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Ruach HaKodesh, which is in you? For ye have of Elohim, which ye have of Elohim, and ye are not your own. When you sign on a dotted line, when you when you partake of his covenant, you are, you are becoming his possession. You're not your own anymore. You're his. His verse 20 says, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify Elohim in your body and in your, your Ruach, which are Elohim. You are bought with a price. You are now betrothed to him. He 
pay for you. He gave you an earned money deposit. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, you locked in. Blackjack, no trade back. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, you have to understand that. Then we had a planning and preparation period. Amen. Mm -hmm. You know, and so, you know, this is the part that, that many, 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 um, uh, you know, company keepers don't understand this planning and preparation period. After the betrothal, i.e. the aras in, the, in the, um, Hebrew number 781, meaning to engage for matrimony, there was an interval or purification period. You know, we can see an example of this in the book of Esther. Let's take a look at chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. It says, and so it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard. And when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan, the palace, to the custody of uh, Haggai, that Esther was brought unto the king's house to the custody of Haggai, Haggai, keeper of women. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily gave her the things for purification. Such things belonged to her, and seven maidens which were meet to give her out of the king's house, and he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. Mm -hmm. Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred, for uh, uh, Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of women's house, of the women's house, to know how Esther did and what should become of her. Now, when every maid's turn was come to go into King Azazarus, uh, after that she had been 12 months, 12 months, according to the manner of women, so were the days of their purification accomplished, to wit, six months with oil of myrrh and six months of sweet odors and with other things for the purifying of the women. So we see that this purification period, this preparation period to become a bride of a king yeah. was a lengthy process, yeah. you know, and the wife had to, the would-be wife, you know, had to make herself ready by purifying herself. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen? Now, during this preparation period, the woman was trained and prepared that she might become a befitting bride. This period usually lasted no less than a year, possibly to make sure that the bride was, in fact, a virgin, for one. You know, if the bride was to be found impure, the covenant would then be voided. Now, the purification period could last much longer than a year, depending on the circumstances. You know, uh, for while the bride was purifying herself, the groom was preparing a place for her which wouldn't be ready until the father said so. This explains how Yahushua could truthfully say that he didn't know when he'd return. Because, you know, as he said before he left, I go to prepare a place for you. Amen? You know, and so when they asked him when he's coming back, he says in Matthew 24, 36, but of that day and hour know of no man, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. During this time of purification, the bridegroom uh, is hard at work preparing a place for his new bride. And it won't be ready until it meets his father's approval. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and that scripture uh, about him preparing a place is Yohanan 14, 2. Now, in the scheme of things, the ecclesia is exposed to Yahushua and is being prepared or purified to become a faithful bride. You know, and if we're going to be a part of that, we have to, too, be prepared and purified that we might become a faithful bride. Yeah. You know, um, 2 Corinthians 11, 
2 and 3 says, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you, so you can already control, to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Mashiach. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Mashiach. And also, we see in Ephesians 5, 25-27, husbands, love your wives, even as the Mashiach also loved the ecclesia and gave himself for it. See, see who he died for? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present it to himself, a glorious ecclesia, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Paul hereby teaches us what it means to be made ready. We are supposed to be trying to become holy and clean, that so clean that we're without blemish, having no spot nor wrinkle. Amen? Amen. That's what it's about. You know, that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be preparing for. You know, and if we pass, you know, while we're prepared, then when he resurrects us, guess what? We'll still be, still be prepared. And then we can just go on being, you know, you know, being his bride. Mm -hmm. But if you're not prepared, mm, and you die unprepared, yeah, I'll let you think about that. What is fetching? You know, there's a such thing called the fetching of the bride that was customary with ancient marriages as well. Now, when the father finally says it's time to retrieve the bride, the bridegroom would get his friends um, or uh, his friend or friends to accompany him who go before him with the blowing of shofars and shouting, behold, the bridegroom comes. You ever notice when Yahshua come back? It speaks about the blowing of the, um, of the trumpets. Mm -hmm. Behold, the bridegroom comes. Let me have my next reader read Matthew Yahoo 25, 5-12. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight they, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give up all your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us in you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy, your, buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the groomsmen, the groom, groom, the bridegroom come, came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Adonai, Adonai, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Mm. You don't want that to be you, right? Mm -hmm. Then you need to start preparing yourself to be received as a bride. You need to start purifying yourself. You know, we as an assembly need to start preparing ourselves and purifying ourselves. So you know, if Yahshua come back tomorrow, you know, we can leave with him being prepared, not running around trying to get some oil. Amen. Yahushua will have two of his friends come and retrieve his bride, you know, even in the customary manner. You know, his two friends are found in Revelations 11, 3 
through seven. It says, and I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the Elohim of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over the waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth of all plagues as often as they will. And when they have, when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the boundless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Mm. Remember that rejoicing and gladness? Mm -hmm. That's what they're going, going through, you know. War against them, overcome them, kill them. They're rejoicing. They're glad. And everyone that's with them and following them are also rejoicing and being glad. You know why? Because they know they're going to be resurrected. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. You know, so Matthew 22, 8 through 13. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Mm. You know, go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went into the highways and gathered together as many as they found, both bad and good. Mm. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not a wedding garment. Mm. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither um, not having a wedding, wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to his servants, Bind him head and foot and take him away and cast him in the outer darkness. There should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. No one can acquire this fine linen white robe, the wedding garment, except the bride of Yahushua. For it is made of the righteousness of Yahushua. The righteousness that Yahushua brought to Israel, i.e. his commandments, words, and sayings. This is why it's important that we keep the commandments, words, and sayings of Yahushua. In addition to Torah, you know, the which the bride who loves him will do. You know, Yochanan 14, 15 teaches us this. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, what commandments was he talking about? He wasn't talking about um, the, the, um, the Old Testament scriptures. He was talking about that which he had taught them while he was with them. You know, in verse um, 24 of the same chapter, it says, he that loveth me not, keepeth not my saying. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. So who do you think Yahushua is going to marry? Those who love him or those who don't? I think the answer is obvious, right? You know, so if you're not keeping his commandments, guess what? You don't love him, he don't love you. You know, he didn't come for you, he didn't die for you, and you're not going to see him when he return. You cool with that? Keep on doing what you're doing. If you're not, it's time to repent for the kingdom of Elohim is at hand. Marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, this this is our last stage of, of uh, a biblical marriage. The marriage supper of the Lamb, the doors would then be shut and the feast would begin with great dancing and celebration lasting seven days at the bridegroom's house. You know, and so this speaks of the tabernacle experience. Yes. 
You know, all guests were given special garments, clothing of festivity, like clean white robes. The bridegroom and the bride were treated as king and queen. And in this case, they will be king and queen. Though the main focus was on the bridegroom, the bride paraded about showing off her beauty and was very much respected. That'd be us. The bridegroom and the bride also wore garments of celebration and did no work. They would watch the festivities, drink wine, even join in the dancing, but oftentimes were in their private quarters. Yeah, don't ask. Um, the ruler of the feast was responsible for all preparations and benedictions. You know, and so this is how it went. You know, and hence we read in Revelation 19, 9, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because those who are not, guess what? You missed the mark. You know, you missed the mark. You fell short. You know, it's, it's not going to end well for you. Sorry to be the one to tell you. You know, so this speaks of tabernacles. And this is a, this is a picture of, uh, of us keeping tabernacles like many, many years ago. You know, that, yeah, that was a while ago. You know, and like today is is um, Yom Kippur. Um, uh, and, you know, it's, it's a day of atonement, you know, and it's a time for fasting and a time for mourning. And, you know, today, you know, my heart is quite heavy and I am in, in mourning, you know, um, because we lost one of our dear sisters. Yeah. You know, this woman right here, is Sister Bob that we pray for every week. You know, she passed last night, you know, even during the day of Yom Kippur, the yes. day when Yah will come and gather his bride. What a Yahsome yes. testimony, you know, uh, to, to, to Yah. How, you know, that is just, you know, more than a coincidence, you know. You, you know the odds of that happening? You know, the only day when Yah, um, when the high priest was actually allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, you know, to make atonement for the sins of the people. You know, this is the time when he came and got our dear sister. You know, that's all I have for you today. Pray with the blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.